So, March Madness, it is back, and it is back to normal. Uh, this is the first time in approximately three years that we've had a normal March Madness. Quite quite a thing to say. Um, you know, back in 2020, that was the year that, you know, this whole pandemic thing came about, and uh, it happened right before the NCAA tournament was scheduled to take place. And a funny, funny short story, I was uh, in... In school at the time, uh, with the Texas A&M Hullabaloo Band, and we were, and th- that's the band that plays for A&M basketball and volleyball games, and we were in Nashville, uh, getting ready to play for the SEC Men's Tournament, the conference tournament that week, and uh, we were out enjoying the Nashville nightlife, and uh, all of a sudden we get emails from you know our school superiors that. Uh, the tournament was canceled and uh, we would be going home the next day. And next next day was one of the most depressing days of my life. That's when I saw all the sports world and the whole world I knew just went absolute, Just an unspeakable day that was. Uh, 16 hours on a bus ride from Nashville to College Station. Just absolutely brutal. But that, that day I, I was disappointed because... The AM men's team had a good chance to do well in that tournament. And unfortunately, this year, something else worse happened. Something worse happened. The AM men's basketball team got absolutely hosed by this NCAA committee. Just absolutely crazy that teams like Notre Dame and the Rutgers got in over them. Um, especially Notre Dame because a m had two more quad one wins uh far better away from home they they beat Auburn and Arkansas in the SEC tournament and you had people saying that after am beat Auburn that they were going to be in March Madness so it's it's like the it's like the committee didn't even watch the SEC tournament they just saw on Sunday that am ran out of gas against Tennessee which is who is arguably the hottest team in America right now, winning 13 of the last 14 games and winning the SEC championship. And speaking of Tennessee, they should have gotten a two seed instead of a three seed over Duke, who's who plays in a, who played in a super weak ACC this year. And uh, it's just, you know, they're riding the coattails of Coach K's last season uh, coaching college basketball, but I digress. A&M, they need to be in. It was absolutely ridiculous that the committee left them out. Um, I could go on for hours about why AM got screwed, but that's not what this episode is for. This episode is to fill out my fill out the bracket, give you my picks, my analysis, my previews um, of all these games going down over the next few weeks. So, uh, speaking of teams that AM should have gotten in over we go to the first four and you got Rutgers and Notre Dame now Rutgers they beat seven Big Ten teams that are in the tournament Purdue Iowa Wisconsin Indiana Michigan Illinois and Ohio State Um, they have six quad one wins which quad one just is a, a a way that teams are ranked based on their quality, just a bunch of analytics go into it. And um, 
they had six quad, quad one wins is one of the factors that determines if you get in the tournament how well you are seated in the tournament. So Rutgers, they have that, uh, but they had a really bad non-conference strength of schedule and three really bad losses like down in quad three and quad four. Those are the quads where the really, really bad teams are that that you never hear about until maybe March or even not even March or they never even get talked about there out of there's 353 teams total in division one basketball and um quad three and quad four is the bottom like 353 up to like 250 those teams lie so if you lose to those teams then uh um either really bad luck or you just had a bad day or you're just a bad team uh Rutgers overall Mediocre team. I don't know why they got it over AM. But looking at the next one, Notre Dame, they beat Kentucky this year. And Kentucky is one of the highest seeded teams in the tournament and considered by many to be a top three team in the tournament, regardless of seeding. Um, you know, Mike Bray, he's an experienced coach. He's had the fighting Irish in the Sweet 16 Elite Eight before. Um, Blake Leslie, their best player who could go in the first round, um, 6'5 freshman. Um, they have Prentice Hub, who's a seasoned point guard. Um, but Notre Dame has a thin bench. So, but their top seven, decent. We'll see. Um, I'm just going to go uh, with Rutgers. Um, it's kind of a pick game to me, either one. It doesn't really matter because when you pick brackets and when these first four games, you don't have to really pick the the team specifically that go into these uh, these brackets after the first four. But I digress. Um, going to the other games, uh, you got Wyoming and Indiana. Indiana has had a very nice season under Mike Woodson. Uh, this is his first season coaching Indiana. Um, Trace Jackson Davis, their best player. He can get a lot of things done. Um, and Indiana has had a decent season, not a great one, but that's why they're here. And and the other team, Wyoming, they have were last in the tournament in 2015 and only the second time they've been here since 2002. Um, he run... They run kind of a, an antiquated offense where they just kind of go pounding it down in the post. Um, they use players like Graham Ike and Hunter Maldonado. Um, they they This method works against smaller teams, um, but if the other teams are faster and just have other styles, then... Uh, Maybe not so much. Um, against Indiana, I'm going to pick the Hoosiers to win. But I wouldn't be surprised if Wyoming got, got this one as well. Texas Southern and a and Corpus Christi. This is These are considered to be the two worst teams in the bracket. Um, Corpus Christi, um, the first time in 15 years that they've been in the tournament. Um, and if they win this game, then you have teams like, um, yeah, Duke, 
not Duke. Uh, where? Look, let me look at the bracket. They have so Texas Southern and in Corpus Christi. One of that game, they played Kansas. So, um, yeah, good luck to either of these teams. Um, I'm going to pick Texas Southern. They're rated a little bit higher. Um, Texas Southern is 13 and two since January 18th. Um, and they have a super deep bench. So I'm going to go with Texas Southern. And, uh, the last first four game is Wright State, uh, versus Bryant. Um, Bryant has not made the NCAA tournament ever. They first got to division one basketball in 2008. Um, they have Peter Kiss, who's one of the best players in the mid-major scene. Um, he had 34 points and five steals in the NEC title game. So Brian has a good chance with him. And uh, Wright State uh, did pretty well in the Horizon League tournament. Um, they have an extremely thin team. Um, they basically play five or six players. Um, and they don't shoot the three very much. So I'll go with Bryant. Um, again, these first four games, not that consequential, um, but I'm just going to go with Wright State, or excuse me, Bryant, sorry. Um, so let's look, let's start in the West region, uh, the top left corner of the bracket, and that's where Gonzaga is, and they take on Georgia State. So Gonzaga, they have two of the best five players in the sport, um, Chet Holmgren, who could be the number one pick in the draft, 7-1 Unicorn can do pretty much everything on the court. Um, thin frame, but pretty much does everything. Drew Timmy, um, who was one of the best, he's one of the best forwards in America, obviously. Um, preseason Naismith favorite. Obviously, I don't think he'll win the Naismith this year. Uh, but Gonzaga is a national runner-up from last year when they lost to Baylor. Um, Andrew Nimhard comes back from that last year team as well and uh they're they have the best offense in the country statistically um they have the best defense for gonzaga since the 2017 national team so even better defense than last year's team which is uh quite saying something uh so bulldogs they will play georgia state uh georgia state's considered to be one of the worst four teams in the tournament by a lot of people. Um, they have allowed Asosin. He's a decent big, but... And in Corey Allen, they have a... He put up 29 points in the Big, in the big South tournament um, in back-to-back games, but yeah, Georgia State, they will not match up with Gonzaga hardly at all. And this will not be a UMBC Virginia situation from 2018. I can guarantee you that. Otherwise, every bracket in America will be busted. Uh, so I'm going to pick Gonzaga to win over Georgia State. Boise State and Memphis is the 8-9 game in the West region. Uh, Boise State. So Leon Rice, he's actually a longtime former assistant of Mark Few at Gonzaga. Um, they won the Mount West regular season and conference titles, uh, 15 and three record in the Mount West. Um, so they are, 
winners of 20 of their last 23, um, including 13 in a row at one point. Abu Kijab is their um, best player, their senior wing, their go-to player. Um, so they will, the Broncos re- will rely heavily on him for stuff. And for Memphis, so Imani Bates, uh, one of their prized freshmen, did not... Um, Excuse me. They they did not have uh, Imani Bates for more than a month due to injury. But Jalen Duran, their other superstar freshman, um, a cor- he's been great. Other metrics have had Memphis as one of the top five teams in the country since February first, um, and they were viewed by many back in January as like one of the biggest failures in the sport, but, um, and they haven't been in the NCAA tournament since 2014. So Memphis against Boise state, two good teams, but I'm going to go with Memphis, uh, to move on to the round of 32 and meet, uh, Gonzaga. You have then next in the five twelve matchup and the five twelve matchup is where you typically, you know, get all the upsets in previous years. That's why the 12-5 upset is the most popular pick among casuals and betters alike. Um, so the five seeds in this region is Connecticut. Um, they have a lot of talent uh, that could go to the NBA. They have lengthy athletic wings um, who can crash the glass. Um, they are led by Dan Hurley, um, former coach at Arizona State. He's getting the, getting the job done at Connecticut. Um, RJ Cole is their lead guard. Um, he can switch between being ball dominant and distributing. Um, they have a six, nine center and Adama Sanago. Um, and they have a good wing in Tyrese Martin, just a ton of talent. Uh, Connecticut's kind of one of those teams that has fallen under some people's radars, but they could easily get to the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight if if everything is going their way. And next up is uh, New Mexico State. And uh, there are 12 seeds, so you're not going to see just... I, I don't think they really stand much of a chance against Dan Hurley and... Uh, And the Connecticut Huskies, to be honest with you, um, just not. I don't really have a lot of faith in them. So give me Connecticut to beat New Mexico State. And then uh, the 4 13 matchup in this, in this region is quite intriguing uh, Arkansas and Vermont. So Arkansas got beat by uh, Texas A&M, the SEC tournament. Um, they are led by JT Note, and uh, they, they've had quite the second half of the season. They finished with one of the best records in the SEC, top four seed in that tournament, along with Kentucky, um, Auburn, Kentucky, and Tennessee. Just a great team that... Uh, I think could go pretty far in, in the tournament. 
Vermont, they have not lost since December, which uh, is quite something. So just, uh, yeah, I, <clears throat> I'm going to put faith in Eric Musselman and Arkansas to get the win. Um, but this could be an upset. I don't know. This, this is feeling kind of like an upset to me. Um, if Vermont shoots the three, um, they're one of the best offenses in the league in, in America, then I can totally see it. So, but I'm going to go with Arkansas, JD Note, Eric Musselman and crew to get the job done versus Vermont. Moving on to the bottom half of the bracket. In the West region, um, Alabama and Rutgers. Um, Alabama has been one of those inconsistent teams, to be honest with you. They have they've had games where they their length and athleticism just overwhelms teams, and then you have games where they just they just don't really put anything together and you have times times where they're just not they're not playing up to their potential so Alabama against Rutgers or North and or Notre Dame I think they're more talented than either of those teams so I'm going to go with Alabama but again Alabama has been one of the most inconsistent teams in the country and not not a surefire pick to even make it out of the first weekend, if if I'm being quite honest with you. Um, Texas Tech and Montana State. So Texas Tech is arguably the best defensive team in America. Mark Adams leads that group. Uh, obviously took over for Chris Beard after Chris Beard left for Texas. And uh, Texas Tech, they did not lose at home this season in Lubbock at the United Supermarkets Arena. Just... Really tough for teams. Um, they beat Baylor there. They beat Kansas there in league play. They're they're an elite defensive team. Um, they they've just had a few hiccups here or there that prevented them from getting a you know a higher seed like a two or a one. So Montana State is definitely going to have uh, issues with Texas Tech. Um, I don't think. I, don't, I just don't have faith in Montana State. Um, the Red Raiders just, I think, are too well coached. They're too well talented. They have a good... And Texas Tech is, I think, a super dark horse pick to make the Final Four. I mean, they made it a few years ago, a handful of years ago with Chris Beard. So, yeah, not not going to be surprised if they make, make a deep run. And with that being said, I am just... I'm going to go... I'm going to go with the Red Raiders, um, even though Montana State, um, they shoot decently from the three, and Xavier Bishop, their their senior point guard, he can do some things, but Texas Tech is just way too talented. So Texas Tech, Red Raiders, moving on to the second round, round of 32. 
And then last two games of the West region, uh, Michigan State and Davidson. So Michigan State, Tom Izzo, familiar spot for Tom Izzo to be in, although they have not won a national championship game since 2000. Uh, average team Michigan State is this year. Um, they can make it to the Sweet 16 easily, though, just the way that Tom Izzo coaches in March. He's one of the best coaches ever in college basketball. You have Max Christie, great freshman, Tyson Walker, Lee Kill, other good players. Um, and A.J. Hogard's one of the best got distributing players in America. So Michigan State, great team to really uh, look at. But Davidson, of course, now. Davidson first burst on the scene almost 15 years ago when Steph Curry, a guy named Steph Curry, uh, took them to, to the Elite Eight where they lost to Kansas. Um, so... They are led by Foster Lawyer, who was a Michigan State transfer, actually. Um, they have Hu Jung Lee, who's one of the best scorers in the game. And Luka Brajkovic, I think his name is, a uh, 6'10 senior. Um, I think this is personally Davidson's best team since Steph Curry was there. Um, but with that being said... I'm going with Michigan State just so I'm I'm going to go with Michigan State even though the Wildcats they are a really good offensive team and they share the ball well. I'm just going to trust Michigan State um with Tom Izzo's experience to uh coach coach them into the round of 32. And then finally, Duke versus Cal State Fullerton. Cal State Fullerton's more of a baseball school, but they're coming up against Duke. And this year is Mike Chichetsky's last season coaching. He's been coaching at Duke for over four decades. This is one of his most talented teams, not his most talented team, but one of the most talented. Year. They have Paulo Bencaro, Mark Williams, Trevor Keels, Wendell Moore Jr., A.J. Griffin, just a ton of NBA one-and-done talent on this team. Um, the problem for Duke is they've struggled down the stretch. They lost Coach K's final game in Cameron, at Cameron Indoor Stadium versus North Carolina, and they lost in the, ACC, in the ACC championship game to Virginia Tech on Saturday night. They got absolutely destroyed by the uh, Hokie three-point shooting. Um, and the Duke defense, it's not great. And like I said earlier, I think their record got inflated a little bit by the weak the weak ACC. The ACC was arguably the worst um, Power Five um, basketball conference this year, which is quite contrary to years past uh, because you got Duke, Virginia, North Carolina usually at the top, but uh, Virginia was way way below average this year, and North Carolina has been average this year. Um, so. Duke, you could arguably say they're the most talented team in the country. Um, but they're not playing well down the stretch. Um, I, I will pick them to beat Cal State Fullerton because taking a quick look at Cal State Fullerton, um, they won the Big West. Um, super senior EJ Anusike, pretty good player. Um, played at Sacred Heart in the NEC. Um, got 
he actually transferred to Tennessee, did not see the floor very much. So he leads Cal State Fullerton, but uh, Duke is going to advance to the round of 32. Um, and then going back up to the top of this bracket, Gonzaga versus Memphis. Um, Gonzaga's talent, um, Chet Holmgren, Andrew Nimhard, Drew Timmy, I think they'll overwhelm Jalen Duren um, and Memphis. Penny Hardaway's done a good job this year midseason after Imani Baines went down, but I'm going to pick Gonzaga over Memphis. Um, Connecticut and Arkansas, that that would be a heck of a game. Dan Hurley versus M- Eric Musselman. Oh, boy. Um, studs everywhere. Um, just something tells me that Arkansas is just they're they have pretty good case to make a deep run. Um, JD Note is one of the best two way players in the game. Um, Jalen Williams is a pretty good uh, big man for Arkansas. Um, they made the, I believe they made the Elite Eight last year. So I, I, I would not be surprised if they made a deep run. Um, I don't know. I just think Connecticut boasts, they have more raw talent than Arkansas. So it's going to be a heck of a matchup, but I'm going to go with uh, Connecticut from the Big East. I'll be rooting for Arkansas for the SEC, but I'm going to go with Connecticut. Uh, Alabama, Texas Tech. I'm going to go with Texas Tech just because uh, they've, they've been more consistent than Alabama. Like I said, Alabama's pretty consistent. Um. Even though Alabama in this bracket, they have beaten Gonzaga. And by the way, Gonzaga has been beaten by Duke and Alabama, who, who are in this bracket. So Gonzaga fans a little bit worried. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But Alabama, they have this year, they've beaten Gonzaga, Baylor, Houston, Tennessee, and Arkansas. All great teams, good to great teams in this tournament. So that's their ceiling, but their floor, they've lost to Iona, Missouri, Georgia, and Texas A&M. So you can blow out teams by 15. You can also get blown out by 15 with this Alabama team. So Texas Tech, their defense, I think they'll lock Alabama down and move on to Sweet 16. And then Michigan State Duke, oh boy. Uh, So Tom Izzo versus Coach K, that's going to be a heck of a matchup. Um, But I think Duke's talent is going to get get them over the top over Michigan state. I don't think this is Tom Izzo's average team. I don't think they could keep up with Paul Ben Carroll and company. So I'm going to have Duke move on. Then sweet 16 Gonzaga and Connecticut, uh, Dan Hurley, he had a good run, but I think Gonzaga and Mark Fugger are going to move on to the the elite eight. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, can't say enough about Gonzaga's talent. And then Texas Tech Duke, this would be a fireworks matchup in the Sweet 16. Uh, just really talent everywhere. Um, Texas Tech, like, 
I have to just take a look at their players real quick. Um, your their defense led by Kevin McCuller. Um, Bryce Williams can go off for like twenty five points on any given night. Um, just their physicality, I think, is going to bother Duke. I, I really do. So with that being said, I'm going with Texas Tech over Duke. Sorry, Dukies. Um, so then you get Texas Tech versus Gonzaga. And Texas Tech has knocked Gonzaga out of the tournament in recent years, but this year I think it's Gonzaga's year. So Gonzaga, Mark Few, moves on to the Final Four in my bracket out of the West region. Texas Tech, Mark Adams will give the Bulldogs some fight, but um, the talent of Gonzaga will over come texas tech's physicality okay so that is the west region next i will pick and preview the east region Happy Monday, folks. I am happy to be back. What a time we have going on in the sports world. It's just been absolutely crazy the past few weeks. Um, the last episode I did was right before the Super Bowl. I previewed it. We all know what happened. Rams won 23-20. to 20. Uh, Guys like Aaron Donald, Cooper Cup, Matthew Stafford, Odell Beckham Jr., all won their first ring. And uh, the city of L.A. got another championship. It's Town out in L.A. So uh, Super Bowl's long past, but... Now it's March Madness. March Madness uh, is underway. The first four starts tomorrow night, and then the round of 64 starts on Thursday, and will continue for the next couple weeks up until uh, April 4th with when the uh, national championship game will be played in the Caesar Superdome in New Orleans, and the last team standing will end up cutting down the nets and will be forever immortalized in the sports history. And... Uh, we got a lot of NFL news to get to, including tons of trades that have happened in the past month, a few weeks, and also Tom Brady coming out of retirement. Uh, not to really my surprise, honestly, after thinking about it a little bit. Uh, some stuff going down in the baseball world, too. The MLB lockout is over. Baseball is back officially. Uh, very excited about that. Some NBA news going on. The NBA is in full swing as well. They're gearing up for the playoffs as well. So just a ton of stuff to get to in this episode. This is probably going to be a long one. This this episode is also going to be where I pick the bracket. I will give you my previews, predictions, analysis, and I will fill out my bracket for you guys. And I will tell you who my 2022 national champion is in college basketball. But before we get to March Madness, let's get to the NFL. Like I said, a lot of stuff happening after in the weeks after the Super Bowl. It's been uh, just over a month since the Super Bowl concluded. Uh, so the biggest trade going down, I think is Russell Wilson to the Broncos. So it all goes back to the off season, uh, starting last off season, not this one, when Russell Wilson expressed disinterest in staying with the Seahawks long-term, of course you had his agent or supposedly his agent linking information to the media about which teams he wanted to go to, which included the Cowboys, the Raiders, the Saints, uh, and really the writing was on the wall this year too. Whenever the Seahawks, they finished dead last in the NFC West, which was 
the toughest division in football this year. That's where the Rams were. The the 49ers were. Uh, both those teams made the NFC Championship game this year, and the Rams won the Super Bowl. And the Cardinals, they were a wild card team as well. And the Seahawks were the lone team from the NFC West not to make the playoffs. They had a pretty bad season, um, and Russell Wilson was injured for a lot of it, had a uh, messed up finger, which did not allow him to grip the ball correctly and was preventing him from making his trademark, I think, deep throws over the top to receivers like DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. And so, and also the Seahawks, they are realizing that they overpaid massively for Jamal Adams. Um, He's a hardening safety, but he was not worth what uh, they gave the Jets for him. And so Russell Wilson, and and he was also struggling with, with Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll's just, he's an older head coach. He's had success, but he's a defensive head coach. And they were running an antiquated offensive system in the NFL today, especially when you have ton of just young and fast quarterbacks. Russell Wilson's not young, but he's still a great, great quarterback in his prime, I think. And the Seahawks were not running a system, in my opinion, that was suitable to his strengths. And so he gets traded to the Broncos, the big news. And in return, the Seahawks, they get back from the Broncos. Drew Locke, who is a backup at best in the NFL at this point, Uh, he is not a starter. Tied in Noah Vant, Fant, who is a decent tight end. Uh, Shelby Harris, a good to okay defensive lineman. And the Broncos also gave them two first round picks and two second round picks and a fifth round pick. That's a lot. But in my opinion, Russell Wilson is worth all that. He is, when healthy, he is a top five quarterback in the game. Um, the problem is he's in the Seattle market and the Seattle, the Seattle market it's not New York. It's not Los Angeles, Chicago, Houston, uh, Dallas, uh, Washington. If you consider the commanders really uh, important, well, Washington is still a big market. It Seattle is just not that big of a media market to compare it to a lot of big cities in America. And Russell Wilson going from Seattle to Denver, that's still not the best case for marketing, but it's far better because the Denver Broncos have a far more uh, storied history than the Seahawks do. I can say that straight up for, as a fact. And and the Broncos, I think, are one of those teams that fit the formula as one of those teams that they are a quarterback away from winning the Super Bowl. And look at the past two years. That's what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did in uh, 2020 with Tom Brady when they came. They went from Jameis Winston, who threw for 5,000 yards and threw for 30 touchdowns previously, but threw 30 interceptions and you get Tom Brady and you instantly win the Super Bowl. And then the next following year, which is this year, you get Matthew Stafford from the Detroit Lions, arguably the worst franchise in the NFL and arguably in American sports. You go to the Los Angeles Rams who are filled with talent from one to 53. Uh, They got a ton of superstars, playmakers and, great players on that team and you put Matthew Stafford on that and he wins the Super Bowl. So in my opinion, Russell Wilson has the chance to do that with the Broncos and the third year in a row where quarterback changes teams and then he wins the Super Bowl. Uh, The Broncos have Jerry Judy, uh, Javante Williams, a good running back, uh, Tim Patrick, other, other good weapons for the Broncos that, Now, their offensive line is questionable, and we know it is well-documented that Russell Wilson has 
had quibs publicly and privately about uh, the Seahawks offensive line. Um, and that's, and he's been sacked a ton over the last nine, 10 years he's been in the league. So the Broncos is, they are not a team with the best offensive line, but they're a little better. I would say that they're average at best. Well, Russell Wilson, he lost into a great situation, in my opinion. Now, though, the AFC West, though, is very tough. You have Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Uh, I've talked at length about how great Patrick Mahomes is. And you have Justin Herbert, who is one of the best young quarterbacks in the game. Uh, I think a top 10 quarterback, honestly, on his best day, pushing top five. And uh, the Chargers, they have made some moves recently, which puts them right in the thick of things in that division. So, and the Raiders, they are considered the worst team, but Derek Carr is not a terrible quarterback. He's a good quarterback. And they just got their new head coach in Josh McDaniels, who's uh, one of the best play callers in the NFL today. Uh, so the Broncos, this is not going to be an easy, easy uh, time for them this year, especially in division. I could see, I could see them winning 19 games at a 17 game schedule, but it, it's going to be a dogfight with those three teams that I mentioned, even the Raiders are going to give them much trouble just because in the division in NFL games, especially divisional games, they're just grinded out sometimes. And you, you never know what to expect in those type of types of games. So Russell Wilson, big trade to the Broncos and uh, the AFC West just gets more and more stacked. And it looks like the AFC West and NFC West are neck and neck for the two best divisions in football. Um, moving on, uh, Cleo Mack, he has been on the Bears for the past few seasons. He's a six-time pro baller. He got drafted by the Raiders, got traded to the Bears, and he got traded again in recent days to the Chargers for a 2022 second-round pick and a 2023 sixth-round pick. And those picks went back uh, to the Bears from the Chargers. And the Chargers, um, now you have Joey Bosa and Cleo Mack to rush the passer. Good night. Holy moly. Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Derek Carr and Russell Wilson, they are going to be running for their lives with with that defensive pressure. That That is a scary one-two punch on the defensive line. Aaron Rodgers, so the drama with him is now over. He has now signed a long-term contract with the Packers. Four years, $200 million with $153 million of that guaranteed. So there is no more quabble with Aaron Rodgers may people talking about him going to the Broncos or the Steelers or the Titans or one of these other teams. Um, and he goes back to green Bay. He still has Devonte Adams, one of the best receivers in the game, Aaron Jones, pretty good running back. Um, his defense is pretty good too. And the Packers in the NFC North, one of the weaker divisions in the NFL, um, they will win 11, 12, 13 games next year, easily pushing 14 or 15. Uh, but the question for Aaron Rodgers, can he get it done in the postseason? He only has one Super Bowl, and that was 12 years ago against the Steelers. So his legacy, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the history of the league, no doubt about it. But if he wants to be considered up there with, you know, Tom Brady, with Joe Montana, eventually probably with Patrick Mahomes, because Patrick Mahomes has the same number of Super Bowls, and he's far younger than Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Aaron Rodgers needs to get it done in the postseason. Um, only putting up 10 points against the 49ers who were a wildcard team at home at Lambeau field. Um, that's just not going to get it done. Um, Packers need to get another good wide receiver. Uh, the receivers they have now, they're dependable in the regular season, but they they're not at the caliber of Devonte Adams or even a tier below him. So 
they need weapons, but also Aaron Rodgers needs to look outside of Devontae Adams and just checking down to Aaron Jones and find somewhere else to go with the football. Otherwise, they're going to have the same issues over and over again. You know what the definition of insanity is? Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. So if this formula repeats with Aaron Rodgers, then the Packers, they're just going to continue to have this whole struggle thing. And it's going to eventually be Brett Favre 2.0 where Aaron Rodgers maybe does leave because he is 37 years old, I think. Um, but who knows in the middle, of, <coughs> in the middle of this contract, he could play this whole game like he has the past two years where he wants the Packers to do something or else he'll go trade. So it remains to be seen if the Packers and him ever find the success that they are thought to have that people know that they could have, but um, it, it's anybody's guess, but Aaron Rodgers back to the Packers four years, 200 million, 153 guaranteed other contract signing. So safety Quandre Diggs, uh, he signed today with the Seahawks three years, 40 million. Quandre Diggs is actually from Angleton, which is directly above my hometown, Lake Jackson, South of Houston. So shout out to Quandre, get your money, bro. Um, happy to see you doing so well in the NFL. Um, and uh, good luck with the Seahawks uh, uh, fight in the NFC West. Um, Michael Gallup, he comes back to the Cowboys, five years, 62 and a half million. Um, one of the receivers the Cowboys kept. Uh, Max Crosby for the Raiders, uh, their best pass rusher, Pass rusher signed with them for four years, 95 million, 53 million of that guaranteed. One of the lone bright spots on the Raiders defense this year. Uh, Carson Wentz, um, he is traded. He got traded to the Washington Commanders uh, from the Indianapolis Colts, and the Colts get back two third round picks. So Carson Wentz and the Frank, the Carson Wentz and Frank Reich experiment in Indianapolis did not work out, especially after the Colts lost in week 17 to the Jaguars. And uh, Carson Wentz had one of the worst um, games of his career. Although he had a decent season, 27 touchdowns, only seven picks, pretty good ratio. Um, and he goes to the commanders who have a great wide receiver in Terry McLaurin, good running back Antonio Gibson, other weapons. Ron, Ron Rivera is a pretty decent head coach overall. The commanders, I think right now are the second best team in the NFC East behind the Cowboys. So um, if Carson Wentz can get on the same, if he can find his groove back, like he did with the Eagles back in 2017 and 2018 before he got injured and had all these issues the past few years, then the commanders, I think they hit a home run. But if he, if they don't, then he's going to have an anchor of a contract. And it's the Colts who have one of the best GMs in the league and Chris Ballard, who is masterful at getting so much cap space. The Colts have like 70 million cap space. Then the Colts will look like geniuses with Carson Wentz bombs in Washington. So interesting to see how this plays out in the fall. Kirk Cousins, no surprise here, comes back to the Vikings on a one-year, $35 million contract extension. Um, he, he was underpaid for years in Washington. Now he's getting overpaid in Minnesota to do uh, good work, but not great work. Um, he's known for not being great in primetime games, and he's never won any huge, meaningful playoff games that really meant anything to the team he was on. So Kirk Cousins... Uh, congrats on getting the money, but uh, you're still not going to beat Aaron Rodgers and the Packers in the NOC North. Today, TJ CJ Uzama, the tight end from the Bengals originally, went to the Jets, signed with them for three years, $24 million. Uh, 
So other news, Mitchell Trubisky today signed with the Steelers to your deal. We'll see if the Steelers have Mitch Trubisky as the starter because um, people have been saying for weeks that Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins, neither of those guys are the long-term answer for the Steelers. I don't think Mitch Trubisky is either. I think he's a bridge quarterback and he, he would be a hell of a backup. And if the Steelers could draft somebody like um, Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis and get, and get them going right away, then Mitch Trubisky could be a good backup. If he wants to start great, the Steelers, I mean, Steelers have an elite defense and they have pretty good weapons like Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, Najee Harris is a great running back after his rookie season. So Mr. Bisky, like he's in a good situation. Mike Tomlin has never had a losing season in 15 years as a Steelers head coach. So great situation for him. And hopefully he can uh, revive his career after um, Matt Nagy kind of hampered him in Chicago. Uh, so the Chargers made some moves. Uh, Mike Williams, um, he signed with the Chargers, um, stayed with them three years, 60 million, 40 million of that guaranteed. Uh, quarterback JC Jackson also signed with the Chargers one of the best corners in the game from the Patriots. Uh, four years, $82.5 million, $40 million of that is guaranteed. So the Chargers, they got Khalil Mack and J.C. Jackson. So their defense is going absolutely nuts uh, under Brand- head coach Brandon Staley going into a second year. Uh, Christian Kirk, formerly of the Cardinals, he signed with the Jacksonville Jaguars, gave Trevor Lawrence another receiver to go to. Four years, $84 million. Proud of Christian Kirk, a a former Texas a and Aggie. James Conner uh, signed with the Cardinals again, three years, $21 million. Chase Edmonds signs with the Dolphins as a running back, two years, $12.6 million. Teddy Bridgewater signs a one-year deal to be the Dolphins' backup quarterback. Jarvis Landry is released from the Browns. Um, the Bills and the Chiefs are among the suitors to pick him up. Uh, Jarvis Landry, one of the Browns from the previous few years. Um, but he'll be a heck of a weapon for either Bills or Chiefs or another contender to have. Uh, Cowboys, big news uh, yesterday, traded Amari Cooper to the Browns, and uh, the Cowboys also gave the Browns a six-round pick, and in return, the Browns gave the Cowboys a fifth and six-round pick. Um, Amari Cooper was to be due $20 million on March 20th, but the Cowboys saved that cap space by trading him. And uh, we'll see how Dak Prescott, how he does now without uh, Amari Cooper, who is one of the best three or five route runners in in the NFL in terms of receiving. Um, He's just a great receiver who can run routes unlike any uh, up there with Cooper Cup and the like. Um, Just an excellent, excellent receiver. So the Browns, we'll see if he can help out Baker Mayfield uh, put up better numbers. Uh. Earlier uh, in the week, Calvin Johnson, or excuse me, not Calvin Johnson, Calvin Ridley of the Falcons, he got banned uh, for betting on NFL games. Now, it's funny to me that he would they would ban him for betting because the NFL has embraced the betting industry to the tunes of billions of dollars. Um, but again, betting against your own team, uh, that goes against the rules. So, yeah, you... You bet eleven hundred dollars in games, and now it cost you millions of dollars. So, um, yeah, not a great decision by Calvin Ridley. Um, even though the rules are kind of weird with the gambling, but those are the rules, so you got to follow. Uh, Deshaun Watson, breaking news. So he will not 
be facing charges with sexual assault and harassment allegations. So that saga is appearing to be coming to a conclusion. So that means teams like the Saints and the Panthers can go after Deshaun Watson. And it came out today also that the Colts will not be allowed to talk to Deshaun Watson. Um, that makes sense since the Texans are a division rival with the Colts in the AFC South. So I understand why the Texans do not want the Colts just to grab Deshaun Watson. If the Colts did grab Deshaun Watson, they would be one of the favorites in the AFC. But um, again, the Saints and the Panthers are now among the suitors for Deshaun Watson. Tom Brady is now back for his 23rd season. I I could just say that um, Tom Brady just kind of got tired um, just sitting around like, you know, six, seven weeks with the family just decompressed. Football is Tom's, Tom Brady's life. Uh, all-time leader in completions, passing yards, touchdowns, um, tons of different records. QB wins, um, obviously the most Super Bowls in, in NFL history. So he's coming coming back to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they're going from uh, looking like a bottom feeder in the NFC South to now one of the favorites in the NFC as a whole, um, right up there competing with the Rams and the 49ers and other teams like that. So... Tom Brady is now back in business with the Bucks, and uh, let the saga in Tampa Bay continue. Eric B- Eric B- got brought back to the Chiefs for 2022 to be their offensive coordinator. There has been rumblings around the Chiefs for a little bit that he and Patrick Mahomes had some disagreements on how the playbook should be called and other things like that. Um, I can't confirm or deny that, um, but the Chiefs' offense in the second half against the Bengals in the AFC Championship game, the way that they just could not get anything going, that was so strange to see. Um, so hopefully they have a better game plan than that. Uh, but Eric B and me back with the Chiefs for at least one more season. Brian Flores got hired by the Steelers recently to be their senior defensive coach slash linebackers coach. Um, one of their coordinators got promoted to defensive coordinator, so he's not the defensive coordinator, but he'll be one of the uh, biggest voices in that locker room on the defensive side of the ball. So his saga against the NFL is still unfolding a little bit. But uh, Mike Tomlin now has Brian Flores on his staff. That is a stacked defensive staff if I've ever seen one. All right. Um, moving on to baseball news. So the MLB lockout is over. Opening day for teams will be April 7th. 12 teams will go to the playoffs this year. Uh for each uh, league. I will have to verify that if that's true, but MLB is back. I am happy, excited. Baseball, my favorite sport. Um, And let's get right to the trades and the news that's happening in baseball. So Lance McCullers Jr., the ace for the Astros, he suffered a setback recently, so he'll be out for a little bit. We don't know. But Justin Verlander, the Astros' main ace, who was out the Past year due to Tommy John, he is coming back. And the other day he said he was on cloud nine after a bullpen session. So happy to see that Justin Verlander is on his way back to the mound and maybe will be the opening opening a starter for the Houston Astros. We will see. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr., the superstar shortstop for the San Diego Padres. He is now out for at least three months after having surgery for a fractured wrist. Matt Olson, the first baseman for the Oakland A's got traded to the Atlanta Braves, the defending World Series champions. And the A's, they got back outfielder Christian Potch, catcher Shane Langoliers, uh, starting pitchers Ryan Kusick and Joey Estes. Um, 
So the Braves, they get a massive upgrade uh, at the first baseman position after Freddie Freeman has now left the Braves. And uh, the Freddie Freeman era is over, but they got a championship and they're looking to defend their title with Matt Olson, who's one of the better first basemen in the game. Uh, the Mariners, they traded uh, to get the all-star outfielder from the Reds, Jesse Winker. Uh, Chris Bassett got traded uh, from the A's to the Mets as well. So the A's are kind of going into a rebuild. Um, Carlos Rondon from the White Sox to the Giants, two years, $44 million. Clayton Kershaw signs a one-year deal with the Dodgers. Um, Oliver Perez, he was the pitcher for 19 years in the league. He is retiring. Derek Jeter is now out as Marlins CEO, and rumors he could be back in the Yankees front office. We'll see, but that makes plenty of sense to me. Um, and finally, unvaccinated players in Major League Baseball cannot play in Toronto. Um then they can't travel. So uh, if you're not vaccinated, you can't play in Toronto, bottom line. Uh, a few last points before we get to March Madness. Um, Jim Harbaugh, and I know some of these things that I mentioned recently, I could mention next um, few weeks old, but um, just got to get in some news that I had I've been meaning to get to. Jim Harbaugh, he's staying at Michigan through 2026, signed a five-year deal, so he will not coach in the NFL for a while. And the college football playoff will not be expanding to at least 2026. Um, so it'll be four teams until then. Greg Popovich now has 1,336 wins, passed on Nelson for the most all-time in the NBA, a first bout Hall of Famer when he retires. Uh, LeBron James became the first player last night in NBA history with 10,000 points, 10,000 rebounds, and 10,000 assists when they got blown out by the Phoenix Suns out in Phoenix. Um, LSU fired Will Wade, their head coach, and their one of their assistant head coaches as well. And so that's bad news for LSU going into the tournament. Uh, this stems from FBI violations or, or an FBI probe into uh, NCAA violations, five level one and one level two violations under Will Wade, allegedly. Um, so Will Wade, he's out as LSU's head coach, and we'll see how that affects LSU in the tournament. Uh, Tom Crean, he is out at Georgia. Uh, Quanzo Martin, he's out at Missouri. Uh, Frank Martin's out as the South Carolina head coach as well. A lot of other coaches got fired as well. Um, one coach that didn't get fired, but a lot of people were calling for his firing was Jawan Howard um, against Michigan back a few weeks ago. Um, obviously, Michigan is now in the tournament, but the buzz around Michigan the past month or so was after the Michigan-Wisconsin game one day. Um, him and Greg Gard were arguing about late game decisions and tactics afterwards. Um, Jawan Howard was still full court pressing, uh, Wisconsin's backups. And, uh, the coaches disagreed on how things were being done. And Jawan Howard got into a scuffle. Uh, he threw a punch, uh, at a Wisconsin assistant and he got suspended the rest of the regular season. He was back in the big 10 tournament when, when, uh, Michigan got bounced pretty early. But uh, that incident, John Howard did not get fired for. Um, to a lot of people's surprise, I think he should have got suspended for the rest of the season, which included the conference tournament and NCAA tournament. But uh, that's in the past now. And uh, it, he's on thin ice now. I think one more incident like that, and he's gone for Michigan, even though he's a member of Michigan's Fab Five or not. That was just unacceptable behavior. Um, 
he has to be better than that as the head coach. Um, props to his players for actually being the mature ones in that situation and kind of preventing the situation from turning into a full-out brawl that could have ended much worse than it did. So uh, that incident's passed, uh, but Jawan Howard now has that blemish on his uh, record now, and people will, will be watching him with watching him like a hawk from now on. And like I said, the NBA All-Star Game weekend, Team LeBron, uh, Team LeBron won in Cleveland. LeBron hit a nice shot to win the game. Steph Curry had 50 points on crazy efficiency from the three-point line. All-Star Game MVP, well-deserved. Okay, let us go into March Madness. I'm going to pick the bracket next, uh, but first, a message from me. All right, in the East region, you have Baylor as the number one seed. You got Kentucky as the two seed, Purdue as the three seed, and UCLA as the four seed. You, the East region, to me, looks like the best of the four regions. Um, uh, you could make an argument that the West is up there, but um, I, in my opinion, the East is looking like the strongest, strongest uh, region of the bracket. Um, so... Let's preview Baylor and Norfolk State. So Baylor, of course, the defending national champion, lost four starters from last year's national championship game, shared the Big 12 regular season conference title with um, with Kansas. So they obviously did a great job this year. Um, they have great athletes like Kendall Brown and Jeremy Schoen. Jeremy Sochan. Um, LJ Cryer, the leading scorer, if he plays, then they're even a better team. James Akinjo is a great guard for them. Um, yeah, Baylor, Scott Drew's built a fantastic program up in Waco. And for them to even be a number one seed, which is questionable because... Um, they have more quad wins than anyone, so that's a good case for them to be number one seed. Uh, just the way they lost to Oklahoma in the Big 12 tournament, I guess they could use it to get some rest, honestly. Um, but I see them... I see them just absolutely rolling Norfolk State. Um, Rob Jones, the... Norfolk State coach, he'll get hired um, to a bigger job pretty soon. Um, Norfolk State, this is their second year in a row in the tournament, but against Baylor, uh, they're going to have a lot of problems. So Baylor wins easily against Norfolk State, and I will mark that down. 8-9 uh, game in the East. Uh, winner of this game should play Baylor, and it's North Carolina versus... Marquette. Now, North Carolina, um, this is Hubert Davis's first season taking over for longtime legend Roy Williams. And uh, they they beat Duke in Duke's last home game with Coach K as coach. Um, Armando Baycott, their best big. Um, he's one of the best bigs in the country. Brady Manick, the Oklahoma transfer. He can go get buckets. Um they have a good point guard in Caleb Love. Um, RJ Davis, 
um, can score down will downhill pretty easily. So North Carolina, they got options, but um, they just, they're a decent team that didn't really convince anybody that they're a great team. So, and Marquette itself is no joke. Um, they're, they're coached by Shaka Smart, who years ago took VCU to the Final Four and, of course, was the Texas coach for the past few seasons before Texas moved on to Chris Beard. So yeah, they have Justin Lewis, pretty good freshman. Um, he can put up a pretty good number. Um, Daryl Morsell, pretty good defender. Um, Marquette, they have been up and down the past couple months. So, honestly... I'm going to go with Marquette because North Carolina is just a name draw that people are going to go with. But Marquette, I think, is a sleeper pick. Um, and I'm going to go with the Marquette Golden Eagles. 12-5 matchup in this region. So, St. Mary's, who is the best team in the West Coast Conference not named Gonzaga. Um, they are in the tournament for the eighth straight season under Coach Randy Bennett. Um, obviously you don't see this team play very much because it plays games where, when most of the country goes to sleep, especially on the East coast, which East coast bias is East coast bias is a thing. Um, so they beat Gonzaga this year. So, uh, yeah, that means they're pretty good. Um, they have. Two wins over San Francisco, who's also from the West Coast Conference in this tournament, and who's also in this bracket, part of the bracket as well, and they beat Notre Dame. Um, St. Mary's is one of those teams where they dictate the tempo of the game, and you play it. Otherwise, um, it's a long day for the opponents. So their opponents, either Wyoming or Indiana, uh, they're far better than any, either of those teams. So... I'm going to pick St. Mary's um, because Randy Bennett's squad, I think, is one of the most slept-on teams in the country. UCLA and Akron. So UCLA, of course, made a Final Four run last year uh, under Mick Cronin. And it was a historic thing because they went from the first four to the Final Four, one of the few teams to ever do that. They started in the top five in this preseason um, and but they've had a lot of injuries this year. Um, was were, was they were right up there with Arizona in terms of the Pac-12 title race the entire year. Um, they have Johnny Juzing, uh, Jaime Hawkes, really other really great players from last year. Um, and they they are lengthy too. Um, a lot of their players are between six seven and six ten which length can be a big problem for a lot of teams in this tournament. And UCLA is one of the best lengthy teams in the country or most lengthy teams in the country. So Mick Cronin, he has a great squad and they could easily get to the final four again this year um, against Akron, who they are the champs of the Mac. Um, they, they can play up to competition and they could give UCLA everyone for their money, but I doubt it. Um, 
they could slow down UCLA a little bit, um, and they can shoot free throws to get themselves. But um, I'm going to go with UCLA. UCLA will beat Akron. I think they're just too talented for Akron to handle. One of the best games in the first round in this region overall in the bracket is Texas, Virginia Tech. So I mentioned it earlier, Virginia Tech beat Duke in the ACC championship game. Just uh, absolutely destroyed them uh, behind the three-point line. Hunter Couture just went absolutely bananas. Storm Murphy, one of the best players on that team as well. Justin Mutz, pretty good player as well. Um, um, Kevin Luma, pretty good big for them, or Kiva Luma, excuse me. And a lot, and a lot of these players at Virginia Tech that came from Wofford, who um, Mike Young coach, and Mike Young is now uh, in a major conference coaching Virginia Tech. Um, Virginia Tech is a dark horse this year. Mike White has gotten Wofford into the tournament many times or he got them into the tournament many times. Um, and they're easily one of the hottest teams heading into the NCAA tournament. So Virginia Tech, they showed you against Duke why they're a pretty tough team to beat. And uh, they're playing Texas, who they have good players. They're an experienced team. An experienced team, you have Marcus Carr, Andrew Jones, as senior, senior guards. Timmy Allen's arguably the best player on the team. He's extremely versatile from the forward position. Um, Chris Beard just has this team, you know, in decent position. This was a team that also was a top five team preseason, but they've just never put it together. They've never meshed the talent like um, like uh, they have. They should have. So just Virginia Tech, I think, is is too hot for Texas to handle right now. Um, just, I know Chris Beard's experienced coach. He's took, he's got, gotten Texas Tech in the national championship game in previous years, but I th- I'm going to ride Virginia Tech's hot streak with Mike Young, Hunter Couture, Storm Murphy and company. Just, I, I trust them the way that they're playing right now. Um, I'm going to go with the Hokies over the Longhorns. Moving on to the 314 game in this region, Purdue. So, Purdue was ranked number one uh, for a little bit, meaning like a day in the tournament or earlier in the season, and then it lost to Rutgers. Um, Jaden Ivey, one-and-done talent, absolute superstar. Trayvon Williams, great man off the bench. Zach Eady, um, great big for the Boilermakers. Um, They can easily put up a lot of points in this bracket, uh, Matt Painter is one of the best coaches in the game. Uh, and they're very capable of making a deep run uh, to the Elite Eight or beyond. So, quick quick, quick look at Yale. Um, you have Azar Swain's... Um, Toughness for Yale. He's their best player, but I think Purdue is just way too talented for Yale. Even though Purdue has had defensive struggles lately in the season, I'm going to go with Purdue. So then you would have Virginia Tech and Purdue in the round of 32. And then Murray State, San Francisco. So this is a fun matchup. 
Murray State has lo- lost the least games of any team in this bracket, 30-2. and two. They are one of the best teams in the tournament. Arguably a top 25 team in the country. Um, KJ Williams, Tevin Brown, they they were part of the team that was led by Ja Morant, who's now a stud in the NBA back a few years ago. They're the leaders of this team. Um, they could easily make the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight if they played their game. They have not lost since December 22nd. So um, good luck to San Francisco. Now, San Francisco, um, they've played decently. They're the best team in the West Coast Conference, not named Gonzaga or St. Mary's. Um, you have Khalil Shabazz, Jamari Boyea, um, Yohan Masalski, um, just good players on this team. Just this matchup, Murray State and San Francisco is going to be so fun. Um, two teams that, you know, could have met later in the tournament if they didn't get put together. Um, so early in the bracket, but uh, I'm going with Murray State. Just not having lost since December, they're on a roll. Could be in for a surprise, but I'm going with Murray State. And uh, they've Murray State has had more experience than San Francisco in the tournament. Um, San San Francisco has not been. Um, since 1998 so edge to the murray state racers and then at the bottom of this bracket you have number two seed kentucky going against st peter's kentucky is just a super super talented team um even though they're a two seed they could easily have been a number one seed with their talent um they would have gotten a one if they won the sec but they didn't um they have Oscar Sheeblade transfer from West Virginia, who is the National Player of the Year front runner, one of the best rebounders the college game has ever seen in decades. Um, Kellen Grady is a great three point shooter. Um, he's also a transfer. Uh, Severe Severe Wheeler, who's a great shifty constructed point guard, he's also a transfer. Jacob Toppin, he's also a transfer who's super athletic, Ty Ty Washington, one and done superstar talent. Um, who is, I think Kentucky's best player um, talent wise, but Oscar Sheeble has been their best player this year. Um, it's funny thing because Kentucky is usually the one and done school. You've had, Players like, you know, John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins, Devin Booker, Carl Anthony Towns. The list goes just on and on of one and duns at uh, Kentucky who have gone into the NBA. But most of Kentucky's good players this year are transfers and older players, juniors or more, which is super unusual for John Calipari. But he's made it work. And uh, I have n- no doubt that they will, will have no issue with St. Peter's Um, so Shaheen Holloway, St. Peter's coach, um, 
and their best player is Casey Ndefo. Just Kentucky's going to overmatch St. Peter's in so many ways. So give me Kentucky to move on to the round of 32. All right, so then back to the top of this region, you would have Baylor Marquette then in my bracket in the second round. Uh, Baylor against Shaka Smart. Uh, Baylor, Scott Drew knows Shaka Smart a little bit from their days battling in the Big 12. Um, I think Baylor's going to gain confidence as the tournament goes along. So I'm going with Baylor against Marquette, just not buying into Marquette making a deep tournament run this year. Uh, St. Mary's UCLA. Um, UCLA, if their town is clicking, if Johnny Juzang is hitting shots and Jaime Hawkes is doing it all, I think they could even handle St. Mary's. So I'm going to pick UCLA. Um, Virginia Tech and Purdue. So Purdue, we'll see if they can shut down Hunter Couture and uh, Storm Murphy with their athleticism and their length. Um, I think they can, although the Purdue defense is going to have a big issue with Couture, Murphy, and the like shooting three-pointers. So good luck to Purdue stopping Virginia Tech um, and their three-point shooting. I'm going with Purdue, but it will be a very close game. So... This will not be be easy for Purdue by any means. Kentucky and Murray State is the next final game in the round of 32 before the Sweet 16. Kentucky, um, I mentioned ago all their talent um, versus Murray State. Murray State has some talent, but not as much as Kentucky. And Kentucky can beat you in numerous ways. Going inside to Oscar Shibway, shooting with Kellen Grady and the like and just all-round uh, star play from Titate Washington. So I'll get I'll take Kentucky. So in the Sweet 16 in this region, it's chalk, my bracket, Baylor, UCLA. This would be a heck of a matchup. Um, Baylor, this is where the road ends for you. I, I think missing uh, LJ Quire... LJ Cryer, if he does not play. And uh, Jonathan to watch. I, I forgot the Baylor's best big guy. He's been out for a while. Um, Jonathan, let me look up his name real fast. Jonathan Tach Jonathan Chamwa Tachachua. He is one of Baylor's best players, but he's been out for a while. So UCLA's talent, John Juzang, I'm a Hawkes. I just trust their experience from last year's Final Four, even though Baylor has experience too. You know. I'm going with UCLA. I think UCLA is a team of destiny this year with Mick Cronin. And the other game, Purdue and Kentucky, um, just would be an absolute stud matchup. Um, 
I'm just going to trust Kentucky with its talent over Purdue. Like the Purdue defense is not as good as it's actually worse, way worse than Kentucky's. Kentucky has a pretty good defense. Um, so in the Elite Eight in this region, you would have UCLA, Kentucky, two historic programs in college basketball going at it. Um, I'm going, let's say, UCLA. I think they're going back to the Final Four for the second year in a row. They're just, I just have a feeling about this team that with all their experience and why they were picked in the top five and they're starting to get healthy in the preseason. So UCLA wins the East region in my bracket. Next up, the South region. All right, in the South region, you have Arizona as the one seed, Villanova as the two seed, Tennessee as the three seed, and Illinois as the four seed. So pretty, pretty good bracket, pretty good region in the bracket, if you ask me. Arizona, number two overall seed, obviously the number one seed in this region. They are coached by Tommy Lloyd, who was the head assistant for Mark Few at Gonzaga. Um, so, and this is Tommy Lloyd's first season as Arizona's head coach. And uh, he's done a great job and they've lost three games. One of them was to Tennessee on the road um, who's in this bracket. And there were a lot of questionable calls in that game and they played UCLA and they lost, but they were not at full strength. So um, unfortunately their point guard, Kerr Krissa, he twisted it pretty bad in the Pac-12 semifinals. So he may not be playing at 100%, but either way, Dalen Terry, he's another great player that can come in for him. Um, Benedict Matherin, he's a pretty good player as well. Uh, Azulas Tebelis, 6'11", uh, big guy for Arizona. Pretty good. Um, Arizona's actually the second tallest team in the country so their length is going to be a huge issue forever they play between Wright State and uh and Bryant either way Arizona is going to win this matchup easily and move on to the round of 32 and the 8-9 matchup in this region is Seton Hall and TCU um yep it's thundering right now on in the neighborhood. So if you hear that, that's what's going on. So Seton Hall. Um, they are now in the NCAA tournament for the fifth time under Kevin Willard, who's a candidate for uh, higher paying jobs in the sport. Um, Jared Roden and Kadari Richmond, their two best players, lead Seton Hall. Um, they're a good team, but uh, they will need to be on their A game against TCU. No, TCU is a sneaky good team for the Big 12. They've had uh, they they've had a pretty nice last month. They beat Kansas. Um, they beat Texas in the Big 12 tournament. They crashed the offensive glass almost better than anybody. Um, the only team better than them actually in the country is Kentucky. Um, and you say Kentucky has Oscar Shibley, who I mentioned was the front runner, front runner for national player of the year. Uh, Mike Miles, their 
best guard um, and Damian Baugh, pretty good players. And Emmanuel Miller, a Texas A&M transfer, pretty good for them too. So, yeah, TCU, this is going to be a fun matchup between TCU and Seton Hall. Um, I'm going to go with TCU. Yeah, TCU moves on versus Seton Hall. Honestly, it could go either way, though. Uh, Houston and UAB. So this is the 12-5 matchup in this region. Houston um, has only one quad one win this season. And guess where when that was? That was yesterday versus Memphis in the AAC title game. So Kelvin Sampson, um, one of the best coaches in the game that no one really talks about that much. Uh, Houston was in the Final Four last year, if you remember, um, with Gonzaga, Baylor, and UCLA. They have a top 12 defense in the country. Um, you have 6'11 senior Josh Carlton, 6'8 senior Fabian White. Um, they just are missing two of their best four players, though. So at some point, does that catch up with them? I don't know. UAB is one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country. Um, Jordan Jelly Walker, um, um, he's a great shooter. He can do a lot of playmaking things. Um, UAB, um, they shoot their three really well. They play loose. They really have nothing to lose versus Houston, in my opinion. So, um, as much as it would be cool to, for UAB to win, I think that um, I, I just have faith in the Cougars to get it done. So Houston over UAB and moving on. Cougars moving on to around a 32. Illinois and Chattanooga. Illinois led by a Kofi Coburn. Um, Trent Frazier. Um, he's another fifth-year senior. Pretty good defender. One of the best in the game. Um, Andre Corbello, the team actually plays better when he's not on the court, but he's still one of the best passers in the game. Um, anything less than the Sweet 16 for Illinois is a massive, massive failure for them just because of the talent. This this was a team, you know, at their best, they can make the Final Four, but they've had way too many floor moments for me to really have confidence in them to make the Final Four. Um, so Chattanooga, they did beat VCU this year. Um, uh, Malachi Smith, uh, their best player averages almost 21 a game leads them. I just think Illinois is on a semi redemption tour from last year after they underachieve as well, losing, I think to Loyola Chicago, who made the final four, uh, a couple of years ago. Not last year, but Illinois moving on to the round of 32 to play the Houston Cougars. Colorado State and Michigan. Oh, wow. So Michigan, um, ever since that Jawan Howard incident, um, um, they haven't made a lot of noise. Hunter Hunter Dickinson, um, one of the best players in the country, averages 18 and 8. Um not that far above five. Uh, Michigan's record is only 17 and 14, and they got in the tournament. So, um, 
we'll we'll see if they can make any noise in this tournament. I don't think they could beat Tennessee if they wind up getting to the round of 32. Now, Colorado State is um, 25 and five. Um, David Roddy, their best player, um, he can pretty much do it all. And Isaiah Stevens is another point guard for them that's pretty good. Um, so this this is an intriguing game. Is Michigan with their talent? You would say, oh, and Hunter Hunter Dickinson, oh yeah, easy win. But Colorado State, they have eight more wins than Michigan does, and nine more fewer losses. So Michigan has just been inconsistent. I don't think they have their footing under them yet after Jawan Howard's incident at Wisconsin earlier this year. So I'm going to go with Colorado State. Um, Funny to say that Michigan winning would be an upset in this matchup, but uh, yeah, I'm just trusting Colorado State. And uh, they will move on to round 32. Now, Tennessee. Tennessee should be at least a two seed after they won the SEC. Tennessee has won, I believe... Uh, 12 out of, yeah, they've won 12 out of 13. I think they mentioned 13 out of 14 earlier, but it's really 12, 12 out of 13. Um, but it doesn't really matter. And they've won seven straight. So they they are an extremely elite defensive team up there with uh, Texas Tech in terms of defense. Rick Barnes, one of the best coaches in the country, has been coaching the college game for a long, long time. Um, Kennedy, Kennedy Chandler, their freshman point guard, um, he he will be one and done. Um, they have Zaki Ziegler, Zakiya Ziegler, five nine. So he's just he's shorter than me, um, but he's one of the best guards in the SEC. Um, uh, two freshmen. Tennessee, just super talented team. Um, they did not lose at home this year in Knoxville which says something, I guess, about them. But uh, Longwood, the Lancers. Hmm. So their coach, Griff Aldrich, interesting. Lawyer, CEO of a gas and oil company. So not a long-tenured head coach. Um, They have lost once since December 22nd, and they shoot the three ball pretty well, eighth in the country in accuracy. Um. Deshaun Wade, their best player, um, shoots 47% from the the field from three-point range on 4.6 attempts per game. So pretty darn good three-point shooter. Um, but I'm going to go with Tennessee. Their talent and their coaching, I think, will overwhelm the Longwood Lancers. Ohio State and Loyola Chicago. So Ohio State... Um, Of course, last year as a two seed, lost uh, in the first round. So they are on a redemption tour. EJ Liddell and uh, company are looking to make it much farther. Um, Malachi Branham is their their other best player. Uh, He will also be a first-round pick. Chris Holtman... um, after they lost to Oral Roberts last year, the number fifteen seed in that in that region, I just I I they need to turn it around. 
Um, Loyola Chicago, of course, you, you know their name because they made the Final Four uh, a couple of years ago with Sister Jean, of course, and that whole story. Pretty cool. Um, Loyola Chicago has a lot of uh, veterans on their team, and they are 6-2 and two in their last uh, eight NCAA tournament games. Um, you could easily see this uh, team uh, make make it to the second week in the Sweet 16 and beyond. Drew Valentine, a uh, former Michigan State player, is coaching this team up pretty well. Um, or excuse me, not Drew Valentine. Denzel Valentine was the Michigan State player. Uh, Drew, but Drew Valentine is only 30 years old. Um, he's the youngest coach in this field at only 30, which is crazy. Um, with all that being said, I am going with Ohio State with their talent. Now, the Loyal Chicago will keep it close. But the Buckeyes, they're they're not going to let a first round exit happen this this time around. And then at the bottom of the South bracket, the two seed Villanova is taking on number fifteen Delaware. Villanova won the Big East for I believe the fifth time in seven years. Jay Wright's team, uh, led by Colin Gillespie and others, um, not his most talented team for sure, but um, they are just. Uh, they're just poised to make another deep tournament run. They have Brandon Slater, too. Um, Villanova's just been a contender for the Final Four all year long. They don't make a lot of mistakes, and uh, they are just consistent. Jay Wright's one of the best coaches in the game. No real shot I see for Delaware. Um, Blue Hens, they, they're only in the tournament for the second time in 23 years. Um, Jair Davis, who's, uh, their best player, just, but Villanova, they're going to win. I, I don't see, I don't see how they lose to, to Delaware. All right. Moving on to the round 32, Arizona TCU, Jamie Dixon's team can be scrappy versus Arizona, but I think Tommy Lloyd, Tommy Lloyd and company will get the job done. So Arizona over TCU, Houston, Illinois. Um, Houston's injuries are going to catch up with them. And Illinois, I think is going to move on over Houston Cougars and uh, Tennessee, Colorado state, Tennessee's talent. They're elite. So Rick Barnes and company will move on, move on to those sweet 16 Villanova, Ohio state. You know what? I'm going with Ohio State. I just think EJ Waddell and company should uh, get the job done. Now, Sweet 16, Arizona, Illinois. Um, if Kobe Coburn can have a big game inside, then Arizona's in for a long, long day. But Arizona is the number two team in the tournament for a reason. They are just... Really, really good. 
and I'm going to go with them to make the lead over Illinois, and then Tennessee, Ohio State, Tennessee over Ohio State to get to the to the Elite Eight. And then Arizona, Tennessee for the right to go to the Final Four from, from the South region. This would be a heck of a matchup. Ten- Arizona's offense versus Tennessee's defense. Um, Tommy Lloyd versus Rick Barnes. Heck of a coaching matchup. I'm going with Arizona. Arizona, like I said before, insanely talented with their length. I think they could shut down. Uh, they could shut down Zakai Ziegler with their length. I think. Um, and even though Tennessee is Final Four capable, I think just Arizona is just a little better. Um, and hopefully. If Kirk Chris's ankle is healed up, then Arizona will have no issue getting the Final Four from this region. All right, so we are done with the South region. Now, um, we can move on to the Midwest region real fast, and then we can pick the Final Four and the national champion. Kansas will play the winner of Texas Southern and Ain and Corpus Christi. Kansas is going to win this game, and I'll tell you why. They have so many ways that they can beat you. They have Ochai Abaji, came back for his uh, senior year, um, National Player of the Year candidate, top five player in college basketball this year. Um, absolutely can do it all on the court. Um, they have Christian Braun, who's another great guard. Um, Dewan Harris, a savvy point guard who does who is smart with the ball. Um, David McCormick, one of the best big men big men in the country when he's on Jalen Wilson's a do it all power forward slash four. Like he's a great wing player that can, that can get rebounds, make some scrappy plays, do handle the ball, do a lot of things for Kansas as well. Um, Remy Martin off the bench. Now Remy Martin was picked as the big 12 preseason player of the year as a superstar transfer from Arizona state. Um, he's had injuries. He's had also difficulty acclimating himself to the Kansas system, but he is, um, the definition of instant offense. He can come off the bench. He he could honestly go off for 20 points and make a name for himself in this tournament off the bench for Kansas if you really wanted to. Kansas is one of the deepest teams in the tournament. They can beat you in so many different ways. And uh, I think they're going to get out of the first round, no issues whatsoever. Um, and senior Mitch Lightfoot back for a sixth season, um, injured his leg in the big 12 tournament. I don't know what the status of that leg is, but uh, he's not crucial for Kansas to win the national championship per se, but um, it would be nice for Kansas to have his leadership and, and his ability off the bench as well. Uh, the eight, nine matchup, uh, San Diego state and Creighton, San Diego State, uh, of course, that is where Kawhi Leonard used to play college basketball. Um, in the past 10, 12 years, they've, the Aztecs have consistently made, made the tournament. Um, Matt Bradley, a Cal transfer, um, he is great on the defensive boards, and he also shoots the three ball very well. Um, San Diego State's just a... Really, really experienced team. 
and that's why they have made March Madness again. Creighton, one of the pretty good teams from the Big East, and Greg McDermott's done a great job this season. Um, here's the thing. They lost five starters from a team that made the Sweet 16 a year ago. Um, they've had their best defense statistically this season in the past two decades. Um, they have seven foot one Ryan Kalkbrenner, um, one of the best bigs in this tournament. Um, so San Diego State Creighton, decent, pretty good matchup, but I'm going to go with the Aztecs. Um, to make it to the round of 32. And then you have Iowa and Richmond. So Iowa won the Big Ten Championship on Sunday. And uh, they are cooking one year after Luca Garza, the National Player of the Year, got them to a number two seed. Keegan Murray has played at a first-team All-American level this year. Um, he set the record for the most points in the Big Ten tournament's history, 103 points. Um they have the number two offense in the nation behind Gonzaga, who, of course, is the best team in this tournament in the country. Um, Fran McCaffrey, pretty good coach, did one of his best jobs this season for sure. Uh, Richmond, so they got into the tournament by beating uh, Dayton on Sunday. The Spiders are barely crawling into this tournament. Um Jacob Gilliard, he's the all-time leader steal in steals for the NCAA. And uh, Grant Golden is their best scorer. Um, and they, they have an experienced team. But I'm going to go with Iowa. Keegan Murray, I think, is just going to go off. Um, so no 12-5 upset in this one. Providence. Providence from the Big East. Uh, so... Here's the thing. They got destroyed by Creighton. They almost lost by 30 in the Big East tournament. Um, so they do have good good players all over. Um, Nate Watson, pretty good big big guy. Al Durham, good wing player. Um, Justin Minaya, he's a good lockdown defender. Uh, Ed Cooley's pretty good coach. Um, they were picked eighth pick to finish eighth in the Big East back in October before the season started. So that speaks volumes to how well they have played this season. Um, over South Dakota State, who shoot the ball very well. They're actually number one in effective field goal percentage, three-point percentage, and they are second also points per game. So and their coach, Eric Henderson, he's 68 and 21 through three seasons. Um, and they have the nation's longest winning streak, too, at 21 in a row. So this is going to be no pushover for Providence. You know, I'm going to go with South Dakota State. It's going to be an upset. If they get going, then Providence will get run out of the building. And after losing by almost 30 to Creighton, that gives me pause to cause for that gives me cause to pause for Providence. So yeah, South Dakota State with the upset. LSU, Iowa State. So LSU, I mentioned 
earlier that they fired Will Wade. Um, but even without Will Wade, they're still one of the best defensive teams in the country, but they don't rebound the ball very well at all. Tari Eason is transferred in from Cincinnati, been one of their best players. Um, and for Iowa State, they have had a pretty good season considering this is their first season under TJ Otzelberger. Um, they started out super well in the Big 12, um, but they've fallen off a little bit toward the end of the season. Um, Isaiah, Isaiah Brockington uh, and freshman Tyrese Hunter, they're the one-two punch for the Cyclones. Uh, Brockington, he shoots the ball really well, and Tyrese Hunter is a very good playmaker and and a great defender as well. Um, so this game, obviously on paper, LSU, I think is the better team. Um, so I'm going to go with LSU. But I could see Iowa State easily winning as well. Kind of a pick them to me. And then 314 matchup, Wisconsin-Colgate. Wisconsin and Colgate. So Wisconsin, they are holding out hope a little bit that uh, Johnny Davis, uh, his injury gets really better than it was. Um John Davis kind of came out of nowhere and he's played at all American level, 19.7 points per game, eight rebounds per game could be picked in the NBA lottery. Um, Wisconsin also has Brad Davison and Tyler wall uh, coach under Greg guard, one of the better coaches in the country. I think Wisconsin is a second weekend team in this bracket. Um, and against Colgate, who is appropriately seated at 14, um, they're led by senior Jack Ferguson, who shoots the ball pretty well. Um, but they they did, I mean, they beat Syracuse by scoring over 100, and they've only lost once since January 4th. So they're the best three-point shooting team in this tournament other than South Dakota State, who are slightly better than them and who I just picked to upset Providence. So... If Johnny Davis is right, then Wisconsin is right. So I'm going to go trust that he's right. So I'm going to go with Wisconsin. And uh 710 matchup in this region, you have USC, um, who made the Elite Eight last year, so they are not a pushover by any means. Um, Andy Inf Andy Infield, their coach, just got a contract extension. Um, Drew Peterson's emerged for them as a star recently. Um, they're the best team in the Pac-12, not named Arizona or UCLA. Um, Isaiah Mobley, Isaiah Mobley, the brother of uh, Evan Mobley, who's now in the NBA with the Cavaliers. Um, he's a great um, inside-outside six-ten player. Um, so you get USC with their link could make some noise in this tournament and be a sneaky pick to make the Elite Eight or Final Four. Um, they're going against Miami, who is coached by Jim Laranega, back in the Big dance, first time since 2018. Um, Cameron McGust, best player on this team, made all ACC 17.5 points per game. 
Um, Charlie Moore, a seventh-year player who used to be at Kansas. Um, Sam Wardenberg, 6'10", big. Um, he's a stretch big who shoots pretty well from the three-point range, 43% on 84 attempts. Um, pretty good team, but I just think so. Andy Infield and USC are going to get the job done. And then finally, Auburn versus Jacksonville State. So Auburn was the number one seed in the SEC tournament, won the regular season championship. Um, but they are now on the two line as a two seed. Um, they started 22 and one, um, but since then they're only five and four. Um, Javari Smith is arguably the number one pick in the draft, arguably the best pro, pro, pro prospect in America. Walker Kessler, um, one of the best defenders in the game, arguably the best defensive player in the game, blocks almost five shots a game. Absolutely crazy. Um, Wendell Green Jr., Katie Johnson, they have good games and they have bad games. Um, so they could easily make the second weekend, but I don't think they're going to win the national championship personally. Um, they will beat uh, Jacksonville State who uh, is making appearance in the NCAA tournament without winning his conference championship because they won the regular season title. But just give me Auburn in this matchup. Um, so then Kansas-San Diego State, I mentioned how Kansas can beat you in so many different ways. They will beat the Aztecs, Iowa-San Diego, or South Dakota State, um, Iowa, Iowa over South Dakota State. LSU, Wisconsin. Uh, if Johnny Davis is still right, then I think Wisconsin will beat LSU. And uh, USC, Auburn. Auburn. Then Kansas will beat Iowa, get to the Elite Eight, and then Auburn should beat Wisconsin with their talent. And uh, Kansas... If they shut down Devari, Javari Smith, then uh, they, with their improving defense, then they can reach the Final Four. So I have Kansas making it to the Final Four out of the Midwest region. So Final Four set, Gonzaga-UCLA and then Arizona-Kansas. So let me go ahead and pick the Final Four. So my Final Four... That I mentioned Gonzaga, UCLA, Arizona, Kansas. I'm going to pick Gonzaga to beat UCLA. Um, Chet Holmgren, I think, is going to be a matchup problem for UCLA. And, uh, yeah. <coughs> UCLA, McCronin and company, they're a good team, but I think Mark Few and Gonzaga are just better. They are on a revenge tour to get the championship that was rightfully theirs last year. Um, and then Arizona-Kansas, boy, this will be a fun matchup. I think Remy, Remy Martin's going to come off the bench and put on an absolute show in the Final Four down in New Orleans. This and Ochai Abaji is going to put up great numbers as well. Kansas is such a deep team this year. This is not Bill Self's most talented team. But this is the ninth time that Kansas has been a number one seed in the tournament, which is which is pretty darn good. Um, Kansas did the double this year. They won the conference title, shared it with Baylor. 
and they won the conference uh, tournament as well uh, by being Texas Tech. So, man, Arizona, Kansas, boy. I think two of the best four teams in the whole tournament are playing right here. So, Kansas beats Arizona. You can toss it up, but I'm going to pick Kansas. And then the national championship game on Monday, April 4th. Gonzaga and Kansas. Um, yeah, this is a would be a titanic matchup. Um, Mark Few versus Bill Self. Uh, these two teams did meet at the beginning of last season. Gonzaga won pretty easily. Uh, what you so much talent in this matchup? You have Drew Timmy, Chet Holmgren. Versus Ochai Abaji, uh, David McCormick, Remy Martin, Christian Braun. Um, I just think Gonzaga is more talented, but Kansas is deeper than Gonzaga. And uh, if Chet Holmgren gets into foul trouble early, if Kansas goes inside uh, to David McCormick, forces Chet Holmgren into foul trouble, then Kansas, I think, has a chance. So with that being said, my national champion for 2022 is the Kansas Jayhawks. I'm going to write that in ink on my bracket. And Bill Self gets his second national championship game. Uh, one, uh, Kansas won it back in 2008 in uh, San Antonio this, in, in the Alamo Dome. Famous Mario Chalmers shot against Memphis to get to overtime. And they were runners up in 2012 uh, to a Kentucky team led by Anthony Davis. So it's about time for Kansas to win another national championship. And I'm sorry, Gonzaga. Um, in this case, you're still not going to be without a national championship game. So, or a national championship. So that's my pick. Uh, so there you go. That is my 2022 men's March Madness picks. Um, so let's go back through it real quick. So the tournament games, they will be held in Portland, Buffalo, San Diego, Greenville, Fort Worth, Milwaukee, Indianapolis, uh, Pittsburgh, and Greenville, South Carolina. I didn't mention, I mentioned Greenville already, so. This tournament is uh, back to being a normal tournament without COVID restrictions or anything like that. So fill out your brackets. Hope your bracket doesn't get busted after day one and stays through to the second weekend. But highly unlikely that happens. And we'll see how wrong this bracket is in a little bit. So thank you guys so much for listening um, to my analysis and picks. So hope you guys are all doing well. Um, things are getting crazy for me at work. So, and March Madness starts tomorrow with the first four. So good luck in your tournament games. And I will talk to you, talk to you in the next episode. Take care.